And welcome to it. Good evening. It's uh, Skulls here, and good to have you along for the uh, the half hour. Alex Lucifero is the man from San Firu to Mark and LLP. Probationary periods and termination rights in Ontario. That's coming up here very shortly with Alex. I know he wants to open up that topic uh, and email help at employmentlawyer.ca, and I'll give you some more contact information throughout the half hour as we motor along. We'll try to get to your phone calls when they start happening and our topics as well. Maybe if we have time, not sure, we'll try to get to an email or two, but there you go. The uh, The stage is set, pal. What do you got for the uh, case of the day? Hey, Johnny. Good Monday evening to you. Great to be back as usual talking employment law and workplace rights for employees and for employers as uh, as well. It's been a busy start as usual to the week, uh, uh, John. I've been saying the same thing for the uh, past couple of months now. It's been a, <laughs> certainly a busy busy year in the world of employment law. And listen, that's great. We obviously continue to help people with their workplace situations, solving problems every single day, giving advice, helping people get the severance they're owed. Our entire team, we speak with people on a daily basis for exactly those reasons. Uh, John, again, we're here to help. We're here to solve problems, particularly when it comes to the workplace. So, you know, we hear from people that have either heard this show, of course, or they've seen our TV show. They've been put in touch with us through a family member or a friend. These people contact us, John, because they're dealing with a situation at work. They're dealing with a problem at work. They don't know what to do. They don't exactly know how to respond to their employer, what they could say, what they could not say. They need help. They're in desperate, oftentimes, need of help. And they want to know what their rights are, uh, John. They want to know what options they have. And again, that's what we do. We're here to help people resolve those workplace problems. It's the bread and butter of our work. It's what we pride ourselves on. And, you know, oftentimes, especially when it comes to something like severance, John, we're able to resolve situations very, very easily. Severance is a very straightforward issue the majority of the time. And listen, even when it comes to things like difficult work environments or poisoned work environments or harassment in the workplace, even in situations where perhaps there isn't a perfect solution, uh, John, people are grateful to simply know what they can and can't do, again, what their options are, where they stand. So if this is ringing true with any of our listeners right now, if you've been let go from your job, certainly, but not only if you've been let go from your job, if you're dealing with a difficult situation at work, your employer isn't holding up its end of the bargain, uh, feel free to give us a call. It's an opportunity to speak with an employment lawyer. Let's start solving that problem. Let's alleviate that stress and that concern and that anxiety. I always encourage our listeners, do not be shy. Do not be bashful. There are absolutely no bad questions when it comes to employment law. We're here to talk, and again, we're here to help. Case in point, uh, John, the case of the day, as you very well uh, mentioned, I spoke to a, a gentleman earlier earlier today, earlier this afternoon, uh, actually, uh, a gentleman in his mid-50s, uh, uh, John, had been with the same company for just shy of 10 years in a sales manager role most recently. So this gentleman was in charge of a sales team at a particular company. This is a kind of a, a, a tech outfit, a uh, rather large tech company. And lo and behold, just last week, he was asked by his employer, he was sat down for a meeting. It wasn't a termination meeting, uh, John, but he was sat down for a meeting and said, and was told by his employer, things are changing within the company, things are changing within the department, effective October 1st, so effective about a week from now, uh, uh, John, effective October 1st, you're no longer going to be a sales manager uh, with the company. We're removing all of your responsibilities as a sales manager. You'll have no team to manage. You'll have no sales group uh, to manage. All of those responsibilities are being taken away, uh, and you're going to be effectively an ordinary salesperson. Uh, 
Um, He was provided a letter, John, in this respect. He was given basically a couple of weeks' notice. Again, this happened last week to be effective uh, October uh, 1st. And that's pretty much it, John. He wasn't uh, given any kind of further instructions, any kind of further information. He doesn't know whether his pay might be changing. Uh, He really has no further information except for the fact that come October 1st, guess what? You're not a manager anymore. You're just a regular sales employee like everyone else that you used to manage. So quite rightfully, John, this gentleman contacted us. He reached out and he said, is this fair? Is this right? Is my employer allowed to just demote me like this in my position, uh, right? Take away all of my managerial responsibilities and just call me kind of a regular employee, Mm -hmm. uh, a sales associate. Again, he doesn't even know, John, if his pay is changing. Now you, of course, John, will know the answer to this question very well. You would hope our longtime listeners would know the answer to this question uh, well uh, also. Uh, The answer is this, uh, John. Absolutely the employee can do something here. Absolutely as an employee in a situation where your job is changing significantly, when your employer is asking you to make a big change to the terms of your employment, you have the right as an employee to say no. I mean, this might sound obvious in any other area of life. You can say no to anything. You have the right to to refuse anything that you're not comfortable with, right? But when it comes to an employment situation, John, a lot of times employees are pressured, or at the very least, they feel pressured into accepting changes like this. But again, you don't have to. The law actually provides strong, strong protections in these kinds of situations. You can refuse the change if you want as an employee. And if your employer says, well, this is what it is, too bad, you know, you're you're being demoted and that's the end of it. We don't care whether you agree or not. Well, that is what we call a constructive dismissal, John. A constructive mm-hmm. dismissal is effectively a termination of your employment. So this employee, if he's not comfortable with the change, he can consider his employment terminated, obtain his proper severance entitlements, which, by the way, are going to be over a year's pay. Uh, John, as a 10-year employee in a sales manager position, he's probably looking at something like 14 months as a severance period. He can demand his severance entitlements if he does not agree with the position uh, change. And his severance isn't going to be a few weeks. It's going to be, again, 12 months plus. And that's the way that one rolled out, which is why you always reach out to Alex like uh, we're doing right now. Stephen, thanks for uh, being the first call of the show. What's going on with you? Uh, hello. I just have a quick question. My employer, uh, sure. in our in our offer letter, um, when we started, it says that you're entitled to three weeks of severance for every year of service. Um, but that only accounts for the amount of time that you worked. It doesn't account for your age or any of the other factors. And I'm wondering, because they uh, put this in the offer letter, and one would think that you would be pressured to sign that when you start a position or you might not get the position, uh, is that something that they can hold, uh, hold against you, uh, you know, years and years later? Yeah, it's an excellent question, Steve. It's one we get very uh, often, and it's something that we do look for when we're assessing an employee's severance entitlements, whether there's something in their employment contract that somehow limits their severance entitlements. I can tell you this, Steve, uh, the majority, the vast majority, actually, of employment contracts we see are not enforceable. So I would say it's likely in your case, I can't guarantee it, I haven't seen the document, it's likely in your case that they can't limit you to that three weeks per year uh, of service, especially if the contract is more than a couple of years old, it's almost certainly unenforceable. Steve, that said, it is possible that it might be enforceable. We'd need to have a look. 
Stephen, feel free to actually call our office and give us a call. I'd be happy to have a look for you uh, and let you know for sure one way uh, or the other. But it is something that we might need to take into consideration. In most cases, Steve, it's irrelevant at which point we can look at an employee's age, position, etc. And oftentimes, they're going to be owed way more than just three weeks per year of service. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate the call, pal. And with that, we'll take our uh, one break of the evening right now. We're going to do it right now. And then we're getting back into our topic when we come back with Alex Luciferro here. Probation periods and termination rights in Ontario. That is just ahead. We'll continue. This is the Employment Law Show. Feeling a little groovy on a Monday. Loving it. A cornucopia of employment law coming at you now. So uh, probationary periods and termination rights in Ontario. Let's get right into this. Uh, probation. Automatic anytime an employer hires a new employee. That's a question you get all the time. What do you think? It is certainly a question we get very often, uh, uh, John. And I mean, maybe maybe we should start with what a probationary period is, John, just in case there are some mm-hmm. listeners out there that aren't particularly familiar with the topic. Or really what a probationary period is, it's a kind of trial period, I guess you can call it, between an employer and an employee before something like maybe benefits coverage will uh, will begin or before, you know, an employment relationship really gets serious. Oftentimes we'll see a brief, you know, few-month period where effectively the employer and the employee, by the way, are kind of trying one another out to see if there's the right fit here. Now, the first point that is extremely important to make here, John, as you rightly asked, is that there is no, and I repeat, there is no automatic probationary period when your employment starts. It is not a default rule. It is not a default setting. A probationary period, John, needs to be explicitly written into an employment contract that the employee has to sign you know, when they're offered the job, when they accept new employment with the company. If you sign an offer letter or if you sign an employment contract that has you know, three-month probationary period or six-month probationary period written into the contract, you have accepted their probationary term. If that language doesn't exist, John, uh, if there is no probationary period in your employment contract, or alternatively, if you have no employment contract, let's say you didn't sign anything at all when you started with the company, then probation isn't automatic. There is no probationary period. You're straight into the deep end with the employer, you know, for all, you know, all the pros and cons of that situation. Yeah, the, you know, you mentioned three month and six month probation. Six month is really a it's it's really a waste of time because after three, you're you're getting severance anyway if they let you go. So there's no point really to an employer putting on a six month probation, is there? Yeah, that's exactly right, uh, John. So most probationary periods, if not all, I would say at this point in time, it's rare to mm-hmm. see a, a probationary period that's longer than three months. And there's a reason for that, uh, John. It's quite interesting, actually, that, you know, we talk about severance, you know, so often in the show, and even short-term employees being owed, owed significant amount of severance. Here's potentially the other side of the coin. If you sign an employment contract with a probationary period in it, and it's a three-month probationary period, your employer can let you go within that three-month probationary period without any severance whatsoever. Again, that is the point of a trial period here. The employer can, you know, uh, pull the chute, so to speak, and end the relationship really without any severance obligations whatsoever. But again, it has to be written into your employment contract. That's an extremely important point that we can't forget. And also, it has to be within that first three-month period. If, to your point, John, if you have a probationary period that's six months long, for example, well, listen, between the third month and the sixth month, 
you can still decide as an employer to let that employee go, but you're going to owe that right. employee severance. So, you know, in my opinion, a six-month or a four-month or a five-month, anything above three months, you know, it doesn't really make sense as a probationary period, to be quite frank, because after that three-month mark, you're still going to owe that employee severance. And again, you know, it's an important point. Severance could be extremely, extremely significant for even a short-term employee. You can be a four mm -hmm. or a five or a six-month employee. I, I deal with this on a daily basis. You can be a very short-term employee and get a significant amount of severance. Even something like, again, a four or five, six-month employee can be looking at four, five, or six months, John, of severance. Not weeks, to be clear. Months mm -hmm. of severance. Basically, one month per month of employment. That's a lot for a very short-term employee. What can an employer do, though, if they're not happy with the employee's performance during the probation period, other than just straight out sack them? Do they have other options? Well, listen, I think communication is key in any situation, whether you're dealing with a probationary employee, uh, uh, John, or, you know, a you know long service employee of uh, 10 or 15 or 20 years uh, plus. I think if there are concerns about performance during that period of time, you want to bring those concerns to the employee's attention and you know, kind of put the put the ball in the employee's uh, kind of court, right side of the court, and see if there's going to be some sort of improvement there. See if they react to the constructive criticism, and hopefully, John, it is being relayed as constructive, right? You don't want to be overly negative or overly harsh on a new employee. You know, maybe they're just growing pains. Maybe this employee is going to turn out to be a phenomenal employee moving forward. So you got to communicate those concerns, communicate those performance issues. If you see that an employee improves their performance in response, great. You know, you you might have a a, a good long-term employee on your hands. Listen, that said, you know, and we certainly do see it as well when you're dealing with an employee that it just doesn't fit, it doesn't work. You you've you, you know you've done your darndest as an employer. It's just not the right fit for this individual, and you've been kind of objective and honest about it. And again, if you're within that three-month probationary period, you can let them go without severance. Beyond that three months, John, you're going to have to pay that employee severance. Is there situations where they should refuse uh, to be on probation? Talking about employees now. Yeah, interesting. I, I think there are a couple uh, for sure, uh, John. So the first one that that comes to mind is if you are being, you know, kind of incentivized or recruited by the employer. So in a situation where you're already employed, you have secure employment, you've been working somewhere for a few years, could be many years, it could be, you know, it could be a relatively short stint, but you're kind of relatively happy in your employment and you've been approached by another employer to apply for a job, maybe a, a former colleague has reached out or maybe somebody on LinkedIn, a recruiter has reached out on LinkedIn, right, asking you to apply for a position and you apply, right, and let's say you get a job offer, listen, in a situation like that, John, where you're leaving or potentially leaving secure employment, I would not trade my secure employment for a new job that has a probationary period starting with yeah. it, right? Because again, you might be leaving that secure job and potentially a significant significant amount of severance if you're ever let go for a job where within the first three months, again, if there's a probationary period in the employment contract, they can let you go for nothing. So, you know, God forbid that job doesn't work out. It's not the right fit within those first three months. You've left a secure job to join this new position and lo and behold, you're out of a job a couple of months in with zero you know, zero severance, uh, zero financial support, support to hold you over to find that next job. Not a good situation at all. 
Yeah, that particular scenario is interesting too because you, you bet if you know if you're being induced by another company and they got to try to put a probationary period in there, you can almost guarantee they're going to put in. Uh, you know, we will not recognize previous service. Blah blah blah. That's a big bowl of wrong right there, as far as that's concerned, and far as you're concerned, I guess as well, right, Alex? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'll give you another example while we're on the subject. Uh, John, again, this is situations where as an employee, you do not want to be agreeing to a probationary period. And that's in the context, John, and this happens more often than you would think, in the context of the purchase and sale of a company. So if you're working for a company and somebody has bought the company, some, some outside entity has come in and they're taking over your employer, it's a purchase and sale of a business, right? In a situation like that, the new employer, the purchasing company, will come in and Typically, they'll say, John, we want everybody signing new employment contracts, right? We want to secure all of these employees and have them on modern, state-of-the-art 2023 employment contracts. If you see a probationary period within that uh, within that contract, uh, number one, I don't even know if it would be enforceable, John. Between you know, between us, there's an yeah. argument there. You can't you can't put an established employee on probation. But nevertheless, I would tell them to remove that clause from the contract. You're you're an established employee. Your seniority carries over when you're part of a company that is being sold to another company, right? If your employment continues, Mm -hmm. you don't start as a day one employee with a new employer. Your years of service carry over. And when your years of service are carrying over like that, you do not want to be in a position where you have to accept, you know, I don't care if it's a one-week probationary period. You don't want to be accepting that as an established employee in the context of a purchase and sale. Let's grab a uh, call in between here. Tara, thank you so much for standing by. How are you? What's your concern? So my son was working in, uh, is working in London and had to move back to Cambridge, uh, financial issues, and his uh, supervisor agreed that he could work Friday to Sunday, 10-hour shifts, and he's been working there well over a year, never a problem, never anything. And then last week, his supervisor sent him a text message saying, I'm concerned the winter is coming and that you won't make it for your shifts. Um, and I think that the people in town should be able to have the first option shifts and maybe you should look for another job. And the supervisor herself also made the same kind of shifts that she gave my son so, because she works out of town. And I told him, ah, 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 that's illegal. Am I right? Yeah, it's an interesting situation, Tara. So just to confirm, the employer initially agreed to this schedule and is now basically reneging on that agreement? Not just reneging, is is not even offering weekday shifts. It's saying, I think because you work, because you live out of town now, the other people should have first options at shifts, and we, yeah. we don't know if you'll make it there for the winter. Yeah, okay. So I, I understood correctly there. Yeah, I, I agree, Tara. I think that's wholly inappropriate. There's no rhyme or reason to that. There's no logic to that, right? There's no reason why you would have to prefer, let's say, local employees to out-of-time employees. It sounds like an employer who is bitter uh, about the fact that your son had to move to Cambridge. Not that it's terribly far away from London, so I don't know, quite frankly, what difference that, that really <laughs> makes. Yeah, listen, this is a problem uh, uh, here for the employer. If they're not giving him any hours whatsoever... Uh, Tara, this is what we call a constructive dismissal. They've basically changed the kind of the rules of the game so significantly uh, that your son may be allowed to consider his employment terminated, consider his employment at an end, and and obtain his severance entitlements and move on. Now, that's one option. There may also be an option to somehow resolve the situation so that he continues working there. What I might suggest, uh, Tara, and actually what I would recommend is 
have your son give us a call or you can give us uh, you, you know uh, you can give us a call on his behalf or with him let's set up a call let's review some of the important documents here maybe he has an employment contract or an offer letter that's relevant here let's discuss some of the issues and let's figure out what the best plan is moving forward i don't want your son quitting i don't want your son mentioning constructive dismissal to the to the employer that's not going to do him any good right now but what he does need is employment law advice and kind of detailed advice as, as soon as possible I think he is in a constructive dismissal situation. And that's why I told him so they, had a, they had a brief meeting on the weekend and she kind of backpedaled. And I said to him, do not, if she says to you, you know, look for another job, he said, well, I was going to tell her I was going to look for another one. I said, don't even bother. Do not say a word. This is what they promised. Because his girlfriend lives, still lives in London, so he goes there for the weekends and stays there. Like, we've already figured out. I've got him CAA. He's got winter tires. He's got it all figured out. And I said, and there is no paper that's signed, like they don't do any of that. And I said, you know, whatever the reason is, like it's, you can't just do that. You can't make an agreement and cancel it and then say, oh, I think you should look for another job because the winter's coming when she's doing the exact same thing mm -hmm. as he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a situation, Tara, that we, uh, we see quite often. An employer, you know, thinks that it could do whatever it wants, really. Particularly, I have to say, when they're dealing with, you know, part-time employees or certainly younger employees, you know, the employer tries to, it tries to kind of bulldoze its way through a situation. Yeah. Exactly. You've got it. Uh, John, that's what employment laws are there for. And again, they're quite protective and, uh, you know, quite generous to employees. So your son has some options here. Again, give us a call, Tara, at the office and we can certainly help out. And that, unfortunately, is all the time we have for now. If you had something to ask, uh, we will reconvene tomorrow. How about that? Just bring the question back on air tomorrow. In the meantime, reaching out to Alex and his team, easily done, one 821 5900 The email address you can always use, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for some online help via the website, simply use pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's free, it's anonymous, and you'll have access as well to that severance calculator. You can take that for a spin and see how much you would be owed. How about that? And we'll do it all again starting at 6.30 tomorrow right here in the Employment Law Show.